Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. You are about to arrive to the right place. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Ellen and Aaron Sportsbook Podcast. Are you ready for it? Now, here is Ellen and Aaron. Hey, good evening, everybody. It's uh, September 3rd, 2021. It is the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk podcast here on this Friday evening. And we are going to do something we did a couple weeks ago again. We're going to have a freestyle show where you, the caller, gets to call in and bring up a topic in the world of sports. If you want to join us here live on the show tonight on this lovely Friday evening, uh, the number to call in is 516-418-5572. Again, that's 516 516- Four one eight five five seven two. We've had a little bit of technical difficulties here tonight, and just want to make sure. Alan, are you with me? I'm going to go with the silence as that's probably a no at this point. So we'll give Alan a few minutes to uh, to get uh, logged in here uh, this evening. Uh, this is live radio, folks. Sometimes this kind of stuff does happen, and sometimes technical difficulties do take place. Um, so for right now. That is our sound that we do not have happen on the line. But I'll go ahead and get things kicked off here this evening. Uh, we uh, obviously are in the thick of the pennant race in Major League Baseball, which has uh, really been a really exciting first five months of the season. We're going to talk a little bit about that here this evening. Uh, we'll take any of your calls. Alan should be on here momentarily. And we'll also talk about the uh, kickoff of the National Football League. We are just a little less than a week away from the defending Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, taking on the Dallas Cowboys. That'll be a fun uh, adventure there. And then, of course, uh, the rest of the regular season kicks off next weekend, September 12th. And, of course, uh, the Monday night games on the 13th. College football got kicked off here uh, this past weekend. And um, we're certainly happy to be in a position to be able to talk about football now. Uh, as the baseball season winds down, the football season starts to ramp up, and it certainly is uh, certainly is exciting there. So um, just kind of looking over the schedule, obviously some big games on the uh, gridiron over the weekend. You have uh, Alabama playing Miami, um, Florida State playing against uh, Notre Dame. Florida State is trying to get back uh, to uh, relevance as they were a few years ago. And this is going to be their second year under our course, uh, head coach Mike Norvell. And Notre Dame, I believe they're ranked number nine coming into the season. And so, obviously, um, uh, obviously a very uh, talented Notre Dame team. And then you have Georgia and Clemson playing tomorrow, number three versus number five. So, um, a lot of big matchups there. A lot of good stuff to talk about. Uh, we hope to hear from you here this evening. And if you're listening in tonight, uh, again, we have had, unfortunately, some technical difficulties. Uh, Alan is uh, still trying to get uh, his uh, studio set up here. It's about 9.33 here on this Friday night on uh, September the 3rd, 2021. If you'd like to join us here this evening, uh, our number to call in here as we are live is 516-418-5572. We'd love to hear from you here this evening. Again, we're going to freestyle the show tonight variety of topics of course but we'd like to certainly hear your thoughts on the national football league getting ready to kick off here in the last uh, less than a week uh if you're into college football of course certainly hit us up on that playoffs we got some golf going on 
And of course, Alan's uh, personal favorite is uh, boxing. So I want to also take you into a little bit of last week. You may have noticed on our Facebook page, uh, there was uh, a few pictures of, uh, of course, uh, Daytona International Speedway. And uh, I actually got the uh, great pleasure of being able to go to the Coke Zero 400 last week. It was a great thrill. Uh, third time now that I've been uh, to uh, to that particular race. And I've been to one partial Daytona 500, which unfortunately got rained out a year and a half ago. But a lot of fun. Um, great race. The weather was perfect. Uh, the pictures certainly didn't do it justice, of course. But um, nonetheless, a lot of fun. Took my uh, my dad and both of my sons, and we were able to, you know, spend some time there for four hours, five hours, whatever it was, and uh, and watch a live race, which is a lot of fun. If you're into uh, NASCAR, of course, um, it is fun to watch it on TV, but there is absolutely nothing like being there live and seeing those cars. Uh, come at you at 200 miles an hour and then not being able to hear anything other than the motors of the vehicles as they go by. Can't really hear yourself think. So, Alan, we expect to have him on the show here in just a few moments. Uh, we are just simply waiting for our technical glitch to go away. In the meantime, uh, again, the number to call here tonight is 516-418-5572. And uh, that will be the number to call in if you'd like to uh, – bring up any topic sports related here on the phone this evening. And normally we hear on Friday nights from our good buddy Lou up in New York. I would expect to probably hear him uh, calling it at some point this evening. He is our most frequent guest on the Allen and Aaron sports talk, uh, which uh, of course here is on Friday nights. And of course we cross promote his show, which is normally on Saturdays from, I believe uh, five 30 till seven Eastern time. Um, a lot of other stuff to get to here this evening. As I mentioned before, the major league baseball playoffs, are just a little uh, a little over a month away, and the pennant race is really starting to heat up. We've got some great divisional battles going on, uh, mainly in the National League East. It's really a three-team race there right now. The Central is starting to pick up a little bit here, too. And then you go out west, and suddenly the defending uh, World Series champion Dodgers have now leapfrog uh, the Giants in the National League West after a really a long battle this season. You, you look at the, the calendar – Actually, they're tied now that I look at this now. They're both 85 and 49 on the season. Unfortunately, the Padres have kind of fallen on hard times. They did uh, dismiss their pitching coach here in the last uh, uh, week or so, which, uh, you know, they had to place the blame somewhere. You've got a a pretty good uh, lead for Milwaukee in the Central. I think they're going to run away with that and hold that uh, 10-game lead. Uh, National League East is, of course, Atlanta with a two-game lead. Over the Phillies, the Mets are quietly getting back into the race. They're a game below 500, but they are five games back, and they are also taking advantage of a four-game winning streak. You look over in the AL East, and Boston may be on the outside looking in. You know, they were a hot team pretty much all year long, and they are now looking at eight games behind Tampa Bay, who's in first, and the uh, surging Yankees, who've uh, stumbled a little bit here recently. They are still actually six and a half games back. So Tampa currently holds the best record in the American League. And then you look at the AL Central, and it looks like Chicago's going to run away with that too. Currently hold a nine-and-a-half game advantage over the Cleveland Indians, soon to be the Cleveland Guardians, of course. And then uh, out west, uh, Houston has a four-and-a-half game advantage on the Oakland Athletics. Seattle's been keeping their own this entire season. They have, uh, if nothing else, proven that they are – somewhat of a contender again they are 10 games above 500 and certainly in a position where you know they feel like they can uh, 
build upon that, I'm sure, going into the next uh, next couple of years. So um, I personally, and we'll talk to Alan about this here in a little bit, and, of course, if you want to chime in yourself at 516-418-5572, um, certainly see the race in the um, in each of these divisions really coming down to the head-to-head matchups. I know that uh, uh, Milwaukee and Cincinnati, and it's actually Cincinnati's in second there in the central they got some big games, I'm sure, left this year that will have a huge uh, impact on that race, uh, the Dodgers and the Giants. I mean, that's a uh, historic battle that goes back to when those two teams played in New York, Brooklyn, and, of course, uh, the, the New York Giants way, way back in the 1950s. Um, Atlanta and Philadelphia, they play uh, head-to-head. Uh, found the stretch in the Mets, too, at the very end of the season. And so I uh, just want to um, actually – Some breaking news here at this uh, very moment at 9.39. Alan has been able to join the program. Alan, good evening. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> doing very well, folks. This is live radio. So these, uh, as I was saying there over the last few minutes, sometimes these things do happen. And um, we're glad to have Alan on the program here tonight. Of course, you can't be the Alan and Aaron Sports Talk podcast without the aforementioned Alan uh, joining the program. So, <laughs> um, so. <laughs> so just kind of going through, Alan, uh, I don't know if you were able to hear any of the um, previously mentioned uh, info there or not, just kind of going through where we are in the year in the sports calendar. Um, this is one of my favorite times of year, as I mentioned, maybe two or three weeks ago. You got the baseball playoffs just around the corner. The pennant races are heating up. Uh, football is starting. College is getting kicked off here this weekend. There were some Fairly big matchups last night. Um, NFL is next week. The Bucks and the Cowboys play next Thursday night on the first game of the season. And then that next weekend, of course, is uh, is the opening kickoff. So a lot of excitement to get to. Um, where do you want to start? Yeah, you're absolutely right. A lot of great things happening in the sports arena. It's amazing around this time of the year. You're right. The pennant races are heating up. And you got college football just started. And the NFL, I mean, just, it just goes to show you that time goes by fast. It just seemed like it felt like the Super Bowl, the Bucks just won the Super Bowl, and now the season's kicking off. So, yeah, I, I did want to start with speaking of NFL. We, we kind of discussed a little bit. I wanted to get your insight on your thoughts as far as Cam Newton as a player and his future. What are your thoughts about Cam Newton? I, um, I'm not surprised that this happened, and I say that uh, with him getting released earlier this week, I say that from the perspective, there's there's actually a number of things I'd probably underscore here. I don't think he ever really fit that team in New England. I don't think his skill set really meshed really well with what Josh McDaniels normally runs, and I know we've had this discussion before. I think that he was really a, a placeholder bookmark, whatever you want to call him, for the Patriots finding out during training camp and during the preseason what Mac Jones was really made of. And, you know, everybody will talk about Tom Brady having been there for almost 20 years. you got to look at some of the other guys that the Patriots over the years that ended up playing somewhere else and maybe being somewhat moderately successful. Um, 
that were more the type of quarterback that Tom Brady was, such as Matt Castle in 2007. Of course, Jimmy Garoppolo, who was there for several years and ended up being the starting quarterback for the 49ers. I just think that Mac Jones has the, the – his skill set really fits that team better than Cam Newton. Now, as far as Cam Newton is concerned, I don't know if he's going to get another chance. And if he does, the next chance is probably his last opportunity. I don't think any team is going to jump at him as a starter. And the reason I say that is if any team was going to jump at him as a starter, it would have happened by now. And it would have happened before the Patriots had had even brought him back. He would have been, you know, wined and dined by somebody potentially to come in and play the, the quarterback role as a starter. I think that his best option at this point is oh, catch on with a, another team. Oh, we got we got a caller here tonight. <laughs> hey, welcome to the Island and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, Lou, how it you is doing? Lou. <laughs> yeah, I got time. I got time. Anyway, well, let's, let's look at it this way. We all know that Newton was no Tom Brady, so I really didn't think he was going to have, you know, the same success, you know, as Brady. So I'm not, I'm really not surprised that he was cut because you know Belichick only wants you know the best, and Cam just didn't live up to it. You know, he's pretty much overrated. I mean, he's you know his his best years are behind him and whatnot. So I don't see why everybody's so surprised that Cam was cut. I, I don't. I really don't know. Because I, I really think he didn't all. deserve it. Yeah, I wasn't really shocked at all. And I, I really feel like no. uh, if if he's gonna continue in the league, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to suck up his pride a little bit. And yes. uh, he's gonna have to go take a backup role somewhere. And really his best hope of even playing in a game at this point is going to be, you know, a starter goes down and he comes in to fill in for him. And I, I'm trying to think of an offense in the league that runs something similar to what they ran in, in Carolina a few years ago. I mean, maybe to some degree what Washington is going to be doing going forward, but I just don't know if that's a good fit for him to go back. To me, for Ron Rivera, it would be kind of taking a big risk to, to bring back a former player that might become a distraction, mm-hmm. especially when you're trying to build towards something new in the future. You're rebranding right. the whole entire organization. To me, that just seems like it'd be a nail on the tire in a sense, you know, that you don't want to have any deflation and, and you don't want to, again, make it more of a storyline than it is for the team that's trying to go forward. So, you know, maybe he goes to – there's a couple of places he could end up, you know, as a backup. You've got the Bears as a possibility. Um, maybe the Jets. I mean, they, they certainly could use some depth. I've heard Miami at one point, but I think they already bowed out. Um, I just yeah, don't know. I, so. I, just don't, I, just don't, I just don't know if I see him catching on. I, I really don't. I would have to say I was a little bit surprised. I at least thought that they were going to go with Cam at least in the beginning of the year to see how he does, and then if he falters, then give Mac Jones an opportunity. I was surprised that they cut him before the season started. That's my only thing. Like, you know, I think the COVID thing had to do something with it, him refusing to get the vaccine, even though they say it had nothing to do with it. I think that had partially something to do with it. But uh, I just was a little surprised they cut him before the season started. 
Yeah, and I think that the yeah. COVID thing, you know, whether that was an impact or not, you know, obviously they're not going to tell us the, the full story there. But in my opinion, if you're a fringe player, you're a guy who is teetering kind of on that line of I'm either going to get cut or I'm going to make the team and kind of run right on that borderline, you know, you, you can't put yourself in a position where you, you know, give them a reason at that point to say, hey, we're going to move on without you, you know. And that may have been the, the final straw. And, you know, here's the thing. Many people out there, and I'm sure, Lou, you're probably one of them, do not like Bill Belichick. I don't think there's a question about that. But here's the thing. He runs a tight ship there. He wants everybody to be on the same yes. page. And, you know, like him or hate him, that's something that everyone probably respects about him is he does things, you know, a certain way, and he's consistent in that sense. So when you put yourself in a position, whether you agree with having to be vaccinated or not by the league, when you, when you say you're not going to do something, that probably – at least in their mind, was like, hey, you're maybe you're not serious enough about playing here. So, um, but at the same time, you know, Mac Jones apparently is this talent that everybody has talked about, and I think that he'll be a great fit there. And you know, if he's not, yeah. then then obviously, uh, then we'll know about it here in the next uh, year or two. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely been in the past. So, Lou, what are your thoughts as far as Cam Newton, as far as himself as a as a player in the league? Well, like I said, you know, in the beginning of his career, you know, he was, I mean, he was unstoppable. But now, as those days are past, I mean, he has subsided a lot in recent years. I, I really do think he's on his way out. Oh, yeah. I mean, I look at Cam Newton in his career as a guy that has a lot of tools, I don't think he's as bad as people make him out to be, but there are some things that Cam Newton does that I think rubs people the wrong way, and that is the fact that he wants to do things his way rather than kind of like do things to kind of like float the boat and make things run smoothly. Like some of the dressing stuff, like you don't have to be the best dresser <laughs> to be a quarterback. You just need to play good football, be humble, and be one of the guys in the locker room, not being the guy, just be one of the guys. Tom Brady is a great example of that. Just be one of the guys in the locker room. You, you know, you're a star, but you don't have to walk around like you're a star. That builds respect and character. And unfortunately, yeah. I think he's going to be one of those type of guys that goes to life and never understands why he's in the position he is. He never gets it. He's going to be one of those people in life that never get it. Well, and you mentioned he had a lot of tools, yeah. uh, Alan. I- yeah. Unfortunately, I hate I hate to use this analogy or hate to use this uh, expression here. He he has a lot of tools. Unfortunately, he's one of those tools. <laughs> I mean, he I, hate to, he I, hate, tool. I hate to put it that way, but he he uh, <laughs> you know someone who and you, we talked about this off the air here earlier in the week. You know, someone who is you know very. I mean, I don't think there's a bigger ego in the NFL. I mean, maybe Bill Belichick, but at least his ego has proven success. I mean, there, there's no question there. So. Um, I, I, I look at it as there are guys that play in sports and the NFL in particular that sometimes get in their own way. And I can't think of a bigger example in the last 20 years of a guy who got in his way more than Cam Newton. I go back to the early 2000s and I think that Ryan Leaf was in his own way. I'm not sure if he was ever going to turn into anything if he hadn't gotten in his own way, but he, he certainly did not help himself out by some of his own issues. And I think that there's a lot of similarities with, uh, with 
Cam Newton, and you just talked about it there. You know, you, you I, and he, here, here's an example that I'll use, and I'll always go back to this one. The ego part is always what drove me away from him. I always thought he was a talented player. You know, he played at Florida. He transferred to yeah. Auburn, won a national title there in 2010. The thing that really buried him for me was a few years ago when he was still playing at Carolina, Panthers were not a very good team whatever year this was. I'm remembering here. They were losing the game like 35 to nothing. And Cam Newton scores a touchdown, gets the Panthers on the board. And he does his whole, you know, pulling the Superman cape open, um, (laughs) the the ass on the chest thing. And I'm just thinking to myself, okay, hold on just a minute here. Let's take a timeout. You're getting your behind kicked 35 to nothing. And you still have the gall to, to go to the sideline and regroup and think you're not going to come back and win this game. I know that. But it's all about you at that point. It's all about a show, and it's all about you being the one-man show when you're still willing to make those kinds of gestures on the field when you're getting the crappy daddy in the game. I mean, it just that, that, that's plain and simple. So that, to me, shows the selfishness of him as a, as a player. And then some of his reactions when they lost the Super Bowl back in 2013, 2014, whatever year that was, uh, to the Broncos. Yeah. Just, he, you got to lose gracefully sometimes. You know, it, it's not fun to lose. Nobody likes to. But it's one of the things where you, you've got to, you got to, you to grow from it. You need to win gracefully and lose gracefully. And in his case, I don't think he could ever get consistent in any of those areas because I think, again, his ego – it was a one-man show, and I think that really – that would be the downfall of his career um, because I really think had that not been the case, even if he'd been cut by Carolina, there would have been a few other teams that would have said, hey, look, this guy's only 30, 32 years old. Let's bring him in and give him a shot. Now, it may not happen. I mean, if it does, it's going to be because of necessity, not because of of um, desire from another club. You know, another club might not look at him now and say – well, look, he, he, he was in a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Now they're going to look at it and say, well, there aren't any other quarterbacks out there. We've got to go get somebody who can actually play. And I'd rather be, if I'm a former player or a guy who's a free agent, I would rather a team want me because they know what I can do, not because I'm the only quarterback who happens to be available. Right. Yeah, great points. Very great point. Uh, I, I agree with you on a lot of fronts. I mean, yeah, it's just it's unfortunate that uh, Cam is – does some of the things he does. I agree with you on the sore loser thing. I've probably, in 20 years, I haven't met a bigger sore loser. Like, I get it. <laughs> Losing sucks. I, you will be the first one. I'll be the first one to admit that. But like you said, you have to be able to handle losing like a leader. You have to be able to take your bumps, learn from the experiences, learn what went well, what probably you could have improved on. That will actually make you better. But what Cam is, yeah. is like you internalizing his ego and it, it never it never it was just like the biggest sore loser thing I've ever seen in my life like okay you lost you know yeah. got humble, humble himself at that point and then they learned from that he was like the exact opposite well and I think the big thing too is and, and you and I come from a similar background as far as our careers you know we, we were involved in sales for a long time, and we both know firsthand what it's like to 
to have some some days, weeks, and months where you lose. Sometimes you lose more than you win. And so, to me, the 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 way to be a successful loser to turn yourself into a winner is you lost, and you go back and look at the things that you did incorrectly, and you fix those things, and you look at the things that you did successfully, and you say, okay, what can we do to improve those things? the second time around or the third time around or whatever the case is so that that part continues to go well and those other things kind of pick up the slack and you get better at them. But it seems to me like, you know, he really just went into a downward spiral and unfortunately the whole, whole team obviously did too after uh, the Super Bowl lost to the Broncos uh, several years back and it just never really, never really recovered. And, you know, obviously here we are now. Now he's a free agent, and next thing that happens, really nobody knows at this point. So, yeah. right. My question to Lou is: Lou, did you get your did you get your record? Did you match your your goal? No, in fact, it was below the previous week. Oh, oh, sorry to hear that, man. Yeah, man. People just didn't. People just don't seem to, you know, really be interested. Uh, you know what? It's just a bad week. Don't don't say that. You know, don't say that. You just you just had a bad week. It was a lot of stuff that you know. It's kind of like a transition week too. You have the NFL that was preseason, and now you yeah. have the regular started. Like uh, Aaron was mentioned, top of the show, you have um, baseball. The heat, the pennant race is starting to heat up, and hockey is getting started soon. So you know, don't don't worry about it. Like we was talking about with Cam Newton, you just learn from the wins and uh, try to work on things that you may have be able to do better. How would the show otherwise? Be, uh, be a Michael Jordan, not a Cam Newton. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Don't 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 hold your head down too low, like Cam Newton was doing. Like, okay, you lost. I'm not saying you shouldn't feel bad, but hey, you can set a goal for next week. In fact, what do you got cooking for your show? Well, of course, well the baseball um, baseball parent races, college football. I'll take I'll take uh, predictions on the first um, Thursday game, which is going to be this week. Uh, we'll take a look at um, some boxing, um, World Cup qualifying soccer. I think I'll try to fit in. So I have a lot I have a lot planned uh, for this week's show. I'm just hoping that people will call in. You know what they're going to do it, and it's 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 going to be a great show. I will make sure that I call in too. That's 512 543 4662. 512 543 4662. Tell them the time of the show. 5 to 7 p.m. East Coast time. There you go. So definitely. And I wanted to get both of you guys, I wanted to hear both of you guys' opinion. Derek Jeter is supposed to be inducted into the Hall of Fame this week. We'll start with you, Lou. What are your thoughts as far as Derek Jeter, his career, and his impact in baseball? Career, of course. You know he was one of the he was one of the best. Not made much of a home run here, but you know a, a guy who comes through in the clutch, and that says a lot about you know his career and getting into the Hall of Fame. I mean, his last his last at bat, he hit the game winning base hit, and like you couldn't have scripted any better. And you know. A lot of younger people, you know, were looking up to him, and he really made a positive influence on the game. You never heard anything bad about him. You know, he was just like, you know, a, 
a spinning uh, spinning image of what baseball should be. And I think that's why, you know, they got him on the first ballot. Wow. Yeah. That, that's well said, Blue. Very well said. What are your thoughts on Derek Jeter as a player? Yes, up, Aaron. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, no, I think he's one of the most respected players uh, of his generation. I think that, uh, you know, first and foremost, he's, he's definitely deserved to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. No question about it. Um, it's a rare thing in today's game to have a guy play his entire career in one team. Um, you know, you, you can name on one hand in this last 25 years, you can pretty much name, you know, three or four guys that have done that. Um, he's the only Yankee to have 3,000 hits where he got all 3,000 of them with the Yankees. He's the all-time leading. It's hard to imagine that he's the all-time, with all the great players they had there all time, he is the all-time leading Yankee hitter um, in the hit category. And yeah. I look at it this way, too. You think of the great players that have, in the 100-plus years of the Yankee organization come through there. You know, a lot of guys that you can just say their first name and you know who they're talking about. I, and I'm thinking of, um, you know, all the way back to the beginning, you know, Babe Ruth, uh, Lou Gehrig, uh, Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle. Um, you, you fast yeah. forward a little bit to even in the 80s when they weren't as, as successful, Don Mattingly, um, and then mm. the 90s. And it's there's really two names synonymous with 90s, 90s and 2000s Yankee baseball, and they're both going to be in the Hall of Fame after this weekend. And that's Derek Jeter and, of course, uh, Mariano Rivera. And I, I just think that Derek Jeter, he, he wasn't the superstar in the traditional sense of a guy who hits 40 homers and drives in 140 and hits 330. He wasn't that player. But I would challenge anybody to say, okay, look, take a look at his defense. He certainly is a brilliant defender. All those great plays he made backhanding at shortstop. A bigger guy, too. Let's keep in mind, he's six foot four. That's not a, not a uh, prototypical shortstop. Usually shortstops are six one, maybe six two. And so you go back one generation before him and. Cal Ripken was kind of the guy who set that bar. You can be a bigger guy and play the shortstop position. And I think that Derek Cheater had a lot of impact uh, from Cal Ripken. Um, but a guy really, he just, you know, the thing I love about Derek Cheater, he kind of played the game the way Michael Jordan played basketball. You didn't see him. Yeah, he got angry when he didn't do well or when the call went against him or right. those sorts of things. But he, he, he kept his composure for the most part. He, he, he always seemed to be respectful of the game respectful of the opponent, and he went out there, and, man, he had some great seasons. And I'll, I'll say this, too. As good of a offensive field hitter as the late Tony Gwynn was going to, to left center and left field, Derek Jeter, so good at going the other way to right and right center field and with some power, too. I mean, I think he benefited from the short porch in Yankee Stadium for sure. Um, but yes. tell, me, tell me anybody else who ever played there that didn't benefit from it, especially the left-hand hitters. Um, just a guy that I, 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 he could have done a lot of things after he retired. He got into ownership, obviously. He, he would have been a great hitting coach, I think. I mean, staying inside the ball, yeah. flick of the wrist, it goes to right field. Just, you know, I, I wonder how many of those 3,000 plus hits he got were balls that a lot of other guys might have tried to pull, and he pulled his hands inside and slapped it the other way. Just a, just a great hitter and a great, a great hitter, a great player. Obviously, a great icon to New York and to Major League Baseball in general, and then just a seemingly a great guy. So, well, yeah. 
Good. Even though nice guys tend to finish last. Yeah. He he will be the uh, the antithesis of that for sure. So. No, you both. Well, that's just an expression, but still. Yeah, <laughs> no, you're, you're absolutely right. You both of you guys brought up some great points. You know, I'll give you my thoughts on Derek Jeter. You know, he is well-renowned baseball player, and the thing about him, about Derek, that's so extraordinary is that he did all his defeats playing in New York, a place where you slip of the tongue, you kind of go a little too real, and it's, it's a disaster for you. You'll never hear the end of it. He was authentic. He answered questions, but he knew how to answer questions with the media. His inside outswing was phenomenal. And he had such iconic moments. You know, like you had the home run where the guy leaped over the fence. And if things used to just go his way, Miss November, the big hits, he was so clutch. Yeah. And, he, and like you mentioned, Aaron, his respect level, I, I'm very – I don't think I've seen any other player that the opposing team gave so much respect to. I Absolutely. mean, it's unbelievable. Never, yeah. They never try to drill him. They never try to, you know, they threw inside to him because they're trying to get out, him out, you know, jam him up. But it was never like, hey, I'm going to try to show this guy up. I'm going to try to throw at him. I'm going to try to be disrespectful to him. And it, and it shows the amount of respect he has for the game, how much respect he has for his peers not just his teammates, but the other team. And he's a guy that with all that success was never about me. That's where Cameron is missing. I think Cam Newton needs to listen is that he never made it about him. Derek Jeter was part of the right. team. He team. He led by example. And, and the thing about him is that what really impressed me about Derek is, you know, he was, he was the ladies man, but he, he never was married to yeah. him. Baseball, you know, so technically there's nothing wrong with that. And he just knew how to say the right things, how to play his politics, so to speak, you know, not get yourself in trouble, and, and which is very easy to do in New York with all the cameras and the media. But he is somebody who's yeah. over 3,000 hits, got the home run on the 3,000 hits. There's so many tokens that you have with him that only Derek Jeter, you know, and I do think A-Rod was very jealous of, of Jeter. I do believe that because of the respect level, how much respect yeah. Derek committed from people. I, I do think A-Rod was a better physical player than Derek, but nobody can replace Derek in his his impact on the field and the amount of respect he had and when he got those big clutch Right. Balls. But, you know, kudos to Derek. Well, I think, uh, I think the most even-keeled player, and you made a very good point there, New York is that place where you you make one little even perceived mistake and they're going to eat you alive. I mean, the media, yeah. uh, I mean, the fans turn on you in, in a blink of a, an eye. And so for him, he was just loud enough to be able to be heard in New York because he has more of a – to me, at least, from from my perspective, over the 20 years he played, he had more of a uh, quiet personality. But at the same yeah. time, you know, he was loud enough to to get the attention of people in New York. But he was just quiet enough to to you know nobody knew a whole lot about him, kind of a thing. So I think that was a perfect 
balance that he was able to, to, to have there. And you don't know. That chemistry might not have worked anywhere else. Had he, had he ever played in another organization, it may not have been the same type of of, uh, of outcome. And so uh, give him a lot of credit. Um, you know, hard to hard – to, Hard to, to play in such a, a massive uh, market, obviously. But one thing that people forget, this guy played seven World Series, and he won five of them. And in his yeah. first four years in the league, 96-2000, uh, he won four World Series in his first five years in the league. I mean, that's uh, unbelievable uh, just on its own. And then, unfortunately, you know, the last 14 years of his career, he only – only won one World Series. I mean, some guys are lucky to just get the one, but, um, you know, the Yankees went from, I think, 2000 to 2009 between uh, winning World Championships, and now they're in their longest drought in probably 40 years at this point. So a lot of things have changed. But Well, it's um, not been that long. Yeah, it was, uh, well, we're talking about 2009, the last time they won. So it's been, what, 12 years now. Yeah. Before that, it was, what, 1980 or 19... Uh, 78? 78, yeah. 78 to 96 was 18 years. So this is the longest drought they've had since then is what I'm saying. Right. And and the only thing I wanted to add with Derek is that, you know, I got to give him credit because he also had to deal with adversity. There was a time where he he was in a pretty big slump and was getting booed. I do think, and he handled that with grace. He also, the New York didn't kind of treat him too kindly on his last contract, and it became a public spectacle. I know that very well, and he handled that with grace, too. You know, he had adversity, but he, he knew how to handle himself, even underneath the scrutiny, and even when things didn't go as well as he wanted, you know, he's a very private guy, and they made it a public spectacle as far as him being again that contract. They even said that he got a big ego. This is the Yankees, but he handled it, you know, with class, and they came to agreement, and he played those last two years. But I did want to give a very huge thank you and appreciation to to uh, my friend Richard. Uh, Richard did invite me just the other day. It was kind of last minute. He did invite me to come with him to Cooperstown. I actually did go to Cooperstown with my friend Richard many, many years ago. Yeah. And we did, we did phenomenal as far as autographs and meeting guys. I got to meet Tony Gwynn. But I did want to give Richard a great thank you. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it. It, it was kind of like, it was kind of last minute. It, I would have had to leave basically this Monday and be gone until Thursday. And, you know, me and the family. You could have given him my number, Alan. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would have found a way to make it work. <laughs> so would I. Yeah. yeah I, I did get the invitation. I Unfortunately, it was just one of those things that I got to thank my friend Richard. And unfortunately, I couldn't make it. But it's definitely well appreciated that he wouldn't think of me and, and invite me. So I'm very honored and humbled, and I definitely want to stay in the air. Thank you, Richard, for the invite. And I apologize I couldn't make it. But I'm going to definitely wish you to do well up there. I know you're going to do great in Cooperstown and watch Derek Jeter. I will put a nice uh, post on Facebook and Instagram about Derek Jeter getting close to his induction that I think you guys would like. And it's, yeah, I won't spoil the surprise, but look out for that post about uh, my tribute to Derek Jeter making the Hall of Fame. So, yeah. So, definitely. And, and Lou, 
I will definitely be calling in. What else you got planned? We're going to talk about Derek Jeter now. You definitely got to bring him up. You're a New York guy. Oh, and I wanted to get Lou's, I wanted to get you both Lou and Aaron's opinion. I have my fantasy football draft coming up Sunday. Who would you guys uh, suggest that? Uh, I'm not really, I'm off on, I'm off on fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, really, I really am. I need. To, I think I'm not I need a to big. Uh, I was gonna say I'm not a big fantasy player. I, I've I've been in some leagues in the past, and you get to you know, fourth, fifth, fourth or fifth week, you realize you're in last place, and you you know that kind of thing. So what I've always found personally is it's hard to play because you end up having to root for players that are playing against your your favorite team, and it just kind of becomes a you know kind of a conflict of interest in a sense, but if I was drafting, if I was having a, a draft, um, I think the two most important positions you can have from a points perspective are going to either be the quarterback or running back, and I think if I had Mahomes, I just feel like his stats yeah. are going to be on fire. Um, that's going to be, uh, be, it'd be hard to pass him up, I think. That's a great idea. You know, I, you know, you you're actually right. I had uh, Patrick Mahomes a, is a great pick, and I, I appreciate that. That's somebody you, you no, have. I, I take no responsibility for uh, for if I you know get you into a bind or you, your team loses. So, <laughs> but I think that'd be a good solid pick there. Yeah. Um, you know, and then yeah. running back wise, because running running backs are. Are another big thing, obviously, in the uh, in the fantasy world of football. And I'm trying to think who I'd even pick as a running back at this point because there's so many out there. I mean, sometimes there's teams that have two two really solid backs. So I'm not really sure what direction I'd even go in there. But if, if not, and if not Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, I'd probably be looking at somebody like. I mean, obviously Tom Brady is going to be a big one too. But I'd start to maybe look at Russell Wilson or um, uh, trying to think of who the next quarterback might be that would be right up there at the top of the list. Aaron Rodgers is certainly going to be in there too. Um, I'm not sure if I pick Deshaun Watson because we don't know what's going to happen with him. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, those are, those are the big names uh, I think in the both uh, the, in the quarterback side of things, anyways. And that's usually the first thing I would have picked in a fantasy draft as a quarterback and then kind of build everything else around that. That's a great advice, a real great advice. And uh, that's awesome. I wanted to get your your thing, Lou, on what, what boxing news that you wanted to talk about on your show. Well, the most talked about by, uh, you know, last week with uh, Jake Paul pulling the upset, and then split decision, like, okay, is there something wrong? Is there is it just me or there's something wrong with this picture? <laughs> you know what? I was going to talk about Jake Paul later show, but I, since you brought it up, I'll talk about it now. Um, it's, Jake Paul, you know what? Love him or hate him, Jake Paul is a guy that he's, a, he's got a niche here to make some money. I mean, mm-hmm. this guy, he, he beat Woodley. He had Woodley asking for a rematch. Then he had Fury. Asking, begging him to fight him in the beginning and after backstage, you know what? Jake Paul has found a niche. He has found a niche. I, I, if I was him, I would just fight like two or three more MMA guys than maybe fight 
Fury or a boxer, but not like a like a boxer who has a great record. Fight a, a guy who's just up and coming. And you know what? I thought Jake Paul did win that fight because Woodley was he didn't let his hands go enough. It was so frustrating. There was one round he threw six punches in three minutes. You're averaging two punches a minute. You can't win a fight that way. Yeah. You just can't. Like, yes, he did hit him a couple of times. Woodley did hit Paul a few times, and he did he did hit him good and knock him against the ropes. But I honestly thought Jake Paul won that fight. I just thought that Woodley had a shot to win the fight. He did. But he just didn't let his hands go enough. He just was not active enough. And it brings me to the point I wanted to ask you, Lou. Do you think that fight was fixed? Well... I can't give an honest one because I wasn't able to see it on the pay-per-view, but in my honest opinion, yeah, I think it was fixed. Yeah, I mean, it made me believe maybe it was fixed just because Woodley could have won that fight had he let his hands go more. I said that on Twitter, and quite a few people liked my comment on Twitter. Like, I even said it, I even put Woodley in a comment like, hey, you know, you had a good shot to win this fight, but you just didn't let the hands go enough. And you are, in my opinion, I don't think he's deserving of a rematch, to be quite honest with you, because I wouldn't want to see another fight where the guy does more of the same. He doesn't throw his hands enough. That's frustrating. Like, I'm watching the fight because I was like saying, you have, you have Paul, you have him rocked. Like, go get him. And he just standing there. Chasing around the ring, but you're not throwing any punches. You guys got to understand that in order for you to win a fight, it's not just defense. You got to let your hands go. You got to throw some punches. Even, <laughs> even you know, the actor, I, he slipped my mind, but he had a fight where he became an MMA star, and even he threw a lucky punch and knocked the guy out. You got to yeah. let your hands go. But that's good that you're talking about Jake Paul. Uh, that's that's great. And the Enhanced Sports Show, 512-543-4662. 512-543-4662. Saturday, between 5 and 7 Eastern Standard Time Zone. My great friend Lou will be on the line. I will definitely call in. I will definitely All right. be one of the callers. What's the goal again? The amount of callers? I'm shooting for, I am shooting for 12. All right. I mean, definitely you got to support my man Lou. You got to support him. You got to make sure that you go ahead and call in, get those 12 callers. He has a great show. I will be one of them, so you're down to 11. <laughs> and you got to make sure you look out for my man Lou. Any other Remember, you all are welcome. Just, all are welcome. Just keep the language clean. That's all I ask. Yeah, same, you know, same here. We have a couple of people have – let it fly, but it wasn't by design. <laughs> and yeah, keep, keep <laughs> right, it. Right, right. It wasn't by design. You mean they, but, you mean they threw an f bomb? Yeah, we had a caller through an f bomb, and then that was one incident. Then I did an interview with someone, and and he caught me off guard and threw an f bomb too. <laughs> so yeah, it, it has happened. They're just looking for trouble. And my wife actually heard the, the interview once. She 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 blamed me on that one. She blamed me on that. My wife, <laughs> you know, you're a Christian. You can't have people cursing your show. I was like, well, it wasn't by design. It wasn't expected. I was like, all right, I'll make sure that I didn't talk about that to the guests prior to, so that 
I do take some of the fault in that. So I learned from that lesson to let people know ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> so I keep the language clean on the Enhanced Sports Show and also the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. We do our best to keep the language clean here as well. Yeah. But you check out Lou. He's a legend. And definitely well, Lou I don't is a legend, cool. but uh, it, 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 it has it has its um, loyal people. <laughs> <laughs> really appreciate it. But, yeah, Lou, uh, definitely we appreciate More you. More cult status than anything. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely appreciate you, and we appreciate your input, and you give us a call in tonight. Yeah, I'll be back. Yes, we look forward to it all the time, Lou. Yeah, I should be I should be back, you know, as more of a regular for the time being until, another, until the other show uh, picks up again. We don't want to be, but until that happens, I'll be here. And we appreciate it. We definitely love love you. So you definitely, the more the merrier. The more you come back, we always have a smile. Thanks, fellas. Uh, you have a good eye, Lou. Yep. Take care of yourself, buddy. All right. So the uh, the famous uh, Lou, as uh, <laughs> we enjoy having him on the program here, of course, uh, uh, from time to time. And, of course, he is our most frequent guest here on the program uh, here uh, I've mentioned this uh, before you came on. I know you were having some technical difficulties on your end. Uh, we are in um, the heat of the pennant race. We only have a month of the season left. What are your thoughts? I mean, how this season has turned out? Uh, are your Yankees going to get to the top of the uh, AL East, or are they going to end up winning the, one of the wild card spots? I think the wild card spot realistically is probably more is more attainable. The, the Rays are just so hot. They're winning so many games. The Yankees had a great run, and the Rays matched them. Not that it's impossible. The Rays got to keep doing what they're doing because the Yankees can. You're one of those teams that if you kind of think you have have it, you end up losing it. So I think the Yankees got to keep doing what they're doing, but I think they need to maybe consider looking at the wild card spots because realistically is that when you have a team that you're chasing winning, the way they are, and that's that's the way that the Rays have been doing. It's, it's hard. I mean, now the Yankees are seven behind, and you yeah. got about a little less than a month to go. That is going to be a little bit of a stretch. We, the, for example, the Yankee, uh, the Rays have won eight out of the last ten games. Yankees six out of four. And you know who's creeping up? The Red Sox are only eight and a half back. They're a game and a half away from the Yankees, so they need to try to grab a wild card spot. That's the good thing about Major League Baseball now is that if you – it is tougher for your wildcard team to win it all, but we see that you can. My question to you would be, are you worried now that the Braves – the Phillies are hot now and they are nipping at the Braves' uh, lead? They're only two games out. Um, I look at it this way. At this point in the year, you can't worry about what the other team who is chasing you is doing. You have to worry about taking care of your own business. Um, Braves hadn't been taking care of their own business up until recently. I think that the schedule has been a lot of that. Now, you, you had that two-game set. So you go back a little further than that. The Braves, they won nine in a row uh, in a nine-game road trip. They swept, uh, I believe it was Baltimore, Washington, and Miami. They had that two-game set last week against the Yankees, which the Yankees won both games. Then the Giants came to town. The Giants at that point were the best team in baseball. They had the best record at that point. And Atlanta took two out of three in that series, and then 
They went out to L.A. and got swept by the Dodgers. A couple of games where they had a lead and blew it late. Now we're back to a fairly favorable schedule towards the Braves. Now I'm looking at this right now uh, over the next uh, couple of days, couple of weeks, uh, just looking at where they are here. Let's see here. So right now they're in Colorado. Now Colorado's not an easy place to play baseball. It's just no lead is safe at Coors Field. Uh, they won last night. I believe it was, uh, let's see here, last evening they won 6-5. to five. They're leading 4-3 to three right now. Another game tomorrow and Sunday. They have Monday off. But here's where they are favored in the schedule going forward. Three games against the Nationals at home. Three games against the Marlins at home. Those are two teams they just swept the last time they played them. Then the Rockies come to town for three games beginning a week from this coming Tuesday. They have to go back on the road again to San Francisco. So that's going to be a little bit of a challenge. That's another really good team. Then they play four games in Arizona. Arizona is one of the worst teams in baseball. So that, that ought to be a three-game three, three game series win or maybe even a sweep at that point. Um, they got to play a make-up partial game against the Padres in San Diego, and then they have three games against San Diego in San Diego. So that, that'll be a bit of a challenge. And then they, the last six games of the year are against the two teams that are chasing them. So three against the Phillies to end September, and then three against the Mets to start the month of October off. That's the last three games of the year. So they got to take care of their own business. That, that's really what it's going to come down to. And then, of course, when you play a team that's chasing you in a three-game set, you got to take two out of three at least, and, and that's going to be what puts you over the top. So um, I just I feel like that favors them when you look at some of the other schedules. The other teams, they have a little bit more of a challenge left. Um, but I have a sneaky suspicion it's going to come down to that last four or five games of the year as to what will actually – determine things. You're absolutely right on your Yankees, though. I, I think that really at this point, Tampa Bay has just really surprised a lot of people with how consistent they've been this entire year. Um, you know, getting to the point where, I mean, obviously you talked about the best record in, in the American League. Um, they're getting getting uh, great play from guys that, you know, a year or two ago no one really knew a whole lot about. Guys are stepping up. Um, I'll actually be at the uh, game between the Rays and the Twins this coming Sunday afternoon. Looking forward to it. Uh, second game I'll have been to out there this year. I, Tampa just—they've—they've they've always done this. They find a way to win with guys that maybe no one else found a way to win with, and this is really no exception. This has been a remarkable year for them, almost uh, to some degree better than last year because it's a full slate. Yankees are trying to get hot. The Red Sox are coming back. Even Toronto at one point was a really good team this year. So, um, But I think the the next uh, three and a half or four weeks is going to be pretty pretty interesting uh, with some of these races. And I, I'm going to go right down the list here and who I think will end up winning each, each spot. Um, so in the East, American League, we'll start off over there for a moment. Um, you know, I certainly think that uh, – as we just said there before, I think Tampa's got that one. They don't have a locked up yet. There's still some time that New York and or Boston could get back into things. I just feel like it's too much of a uh, deficit to overcome at this point. I think it'll be both um, both Boston and New York that gets in as the wild card teams, though. So three teams are going to come out of the East. Um, White Sox, they've got a 10-game lead in the, in the Central. Indians are 
you know, starting to fade a little bit. Detroit, you know, they're obviously 15 and a half games out, so they're not going anywhere. West could be interesting. I mean, uh, Houston's got a five-game lead. Oakland uh, is right behind them. Neither one of those teams have played particularly great as of late. You could see Seattle maybe pull off a surprise, but I just feel like the experience of Houston is going to be the, the difference maker there. Um, nationally, I just mentioned it before, I think that it's going to come down to some of those head-to-head matchups, and again, taking care of your own business. Can't be worried about a team you're not playing against. I still think Atlanta has the advantage because now the thing that we didn't see them having here about six weeks ago obviously was all the trades they made at the deadline, but also some of the players that were injured earlier in the season are starting to come back. And that typically makes a pretty sizable difference when it comes to, you know, you get a, you get a guy back at the right time of the year. It's almost like getting a trade. You know, you're getting Ian Anderson back. You're getting back uh, Travis Darneau and some of the other pieces of this team. Now suddenly things are looking a lot different than they were back in June when I honestly thought in June they were going to be a seller at the deadline. And so they picked up there. Um, Mets, who knows? I mean, they've won four in a row. They've been a wishy-washy team for the last six weeks. I don't think they're going to get quite to the point they want to be in. Plus, when you lose a guy like Jacob DeGrom for pretty much the rest of the year, it's really hard to overcome that. Um, Milwaukee's got a 10-game lead in the Central. I mean, it's just really going to be hard to see St. Louis or Cincinnati get back in. And then you you look at that great race in the West, and – you know, Dodgers and Giants could come down to the last couple days of the season. I mean, very well could happen again. I think, if I'm not mistaken, let's see here, the Dodgers, I think they play each other right at the end of the season, too. Let me look at their schedule here real quick. Yeah. No, not quite to the end. It's like towards the – well, no, I'm sorry. Their, their next head-to-head matchups are the ones they're playing right now. So this is the last – last series, those two teams play against each other this year, which is a little surprising. That's where the schedule worked out. But um, I think if they stay neck and neck, it's going to basically be determined by who gets hot at the right point. But both those teams are getting in. There's no question about it. And then the playoffs start, and who knows what happens from there. It's just always a crapshoot when you get into postseason baseball. Whoever gets hot at the right time, I'll tell you this right now, I did not see the Nationals winning two years ago. I didn't even see them getting to the World Series, and they somehow snuck in there and and beat a really good Houston team. So you just never know what can happen. Yeah, you got to get in. That's right. I mean, that's pretty yeah. baseball. You know, if you just get into the playoffs and you get hot, that's the thing. I, I know what, what it feels like for your team to get hot and win it. I've also knew, I've been on the other side of the foot where your team gets cold and can't hit a baseball if they had an old school, you know, caveman club in their hand, I've seen that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you got it. With baseball, is is just getting in and getting hot, and and it works the same in in football. But I think baseball is one of those sports that, yes, you have home field advantage and things of that nature. But I don't believe it's as big of an impact as it is in football. Is more baseball if you're hot on the field. You become hard to beat. You become hard to beat. You know, it's about fielding, pitching, and timely hitting. It's a triangle. David Justice said it perfect. Fielding, hitting, and timely uh, timely hitting is what wins playoff games. You get, you get hot and do that, you're going to be in great shape 
I did want to get your feedback on something real quick on, speaking of baseball, your thoughts on Adam uh, Adam Wainwright and Yada Molina making their historic 300 start together. Well, that's a, that's a big, uh, big milestone. And I, I'm not sure if there's anybody else who's ever done this. Um, so you're saying that they're just for the, for the audience out there, they, as a tandem, Adam Wainwright made his 300 start where his battery mate was Yadier Molina and Yadier Molina is a hall of famer. As far as I'm concerned, maybe, maybe not necessarily first ballot, but he's definitely a hall of famer. And Adam Wainwright, I followed his entire career from a number of re- uh, for a number of reasons. Um, obviously, you know my affiliation with the Braves, and he was their first round pick in 2000. And he just so happens to be one day older than I am. He turned 40 himself here back on Monday, and I turned 40 on Tuesday. So I followed his entire career for the last 21 years. Was very disappointed when he got traded from the Braves in 2003. Uh, to the Cardinals, but he's had a great career. He's probably one of my favorite pitchers, not in an Atlanta uniform any longer. And that's a historic thing. I mean, you're, you probably will not see something like that ever happen again, primarily because free agency is so prevalent now. Guys move around a lot. Um, but Adam Wainwright has spent his entire big league career. His entire big league career has been with the Cardinals. He was, of course, three or four seasons in the minor leagues with the Braves before he got traded. Yadier Molina, the same thing. He's been in a Cardinals player for his entire career. So it's a very rare thing that I would go out on a very sturdy limb and say, I don't think you'll ever see it happen again. At least if it does happen, it won't be anytime soon. Um, it's just a, a feat that, I mean, would have been more prevalent back in the 40s and 50s, and maybe even into the 60s and 70s to some degree. But because the game has changed so drastically with, the monetary side of things with trades, free agency, guys retiring early. It just doesn't happen. And if you think about it this way, too, 300 starts, starting pitchers usually make about 32 to 34 starts a year. So that's about 10, 11 years of starting for him. But when you also consider that a catcher, even a starting catcher, might only start 125 games a year, usually usually plays four or five games for them to have matched up that many times over the last basically 15 years since 2005 or six, that was first year Adam Wainwright was really a prevalent starter. That's a pretty remarkable feat. Yeah, I agree. I mean, 300 starts and together that's history. 300 starts for Yada Molina and Adam Wainwright making a history tonight, which is Friday night. And that's just a make. That's amazing in this day and age with free agency and trades for you to make your know, 300 start together, and that's remarkable. I just think that's a great piece of history. It shows you that the two of them are, are very stable. And Molina is just Yadier Molina, like you said, first ballot Hall of Famer. This guy is, you know, you're you're bad to the bone when the guy takes the plate, takes the base after stealing a base off you because it almost never happens, as if he was like Ricky <laughs> Henry, you know? Yeah. And the guy, I mean, I don't blame him. I mean, the guy's got a cannon for an arm. He's just so reliable back there, makes some great plays, great, great calls. I mean, he makes the pitcher's job so much easier. It's unbelievable. Great accomplishment for those two. Uh, I definitely, to, uh, to think, too, he's playing, he, and he's playing, he's 39, so he's still playing – 
fairly high level catch, you know, defensive uh, catching uh, at 39, and he did sign an extension uh, here in the last week or so, and also announced that next year will be his his last year. But he, I mean, the Molina the Molina brothers, he's he's the most famous and most successful out of the, the three. Um, great catching family, and I, I see Yadier Molina being a manager at some point too down the line. Wouldn't be shocked if he was managing a, a big league club here in the next five to ten years. I just feel like he has that kind of skill set to him. Certainly uh, one of the better defensive catchers we've seen in the last 20, 25 years. And he's got over 2,000 hits, and you talk about that. I mean, you know, who are the great catching, hit, hitting catchers of all time? You talk, you talk about Mike Piazza, talk about Carlton Fisk, Johnny Bench, uh, Pudge Rodriguez. And where he ranks with those guys in terms of even just getting hits, um, he's right up there. I mean, yeah. there's, no, there's no question. And those, all those other names I mentioned are all uh, Hall of Famers. So I, I, I would be blown away if he wasn't a Hall of Famer in the future. It would, it, I would be shocked if that didn't happen. Is that a year? Yeah, I, I think he will definitely be a Hall of Famer for sure. Oh yeah, for, yeah. I, I, I think, yeah, I think, he, I think he, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he was first ballot too. I really feel like he's, he's that kind of talent. Um, because t- typically catchers are typically you're going to be really good defensively and maybe so-so offensively, or you're going to be really great offensively and so-so defensively. He's certainly more of a defensive catcher more than anything else, and probably not more much of a power hitter. He's definitely not Mike Piazza. He's definitely not Pudge Rodriguez. He's above average at that particular area, but a good combination of the two. He certainly had a talent on both sides, but defensively, you talked about throwing a runner out. You know, I would definitely snag the base if I stole stole one off of him. So. <laughs> yeah, I know I would have too. You know, and yeah, he he definitely. You know, me being in the media, if with getting a vote, I definitely would vote him first ballot. I mean, I just think there's some tangibles and his defensive skill set. Yes, there are some guys that had a more offensive bat. Mike Piazza, you brought him up, is a great point. But he's just so reliable, consistent back there, and he's such a threat of throwing you out, not just at second base. If you take too much of a lead on first base, he could sneak one down there and get you a cannon for an arm, even at his age. You know, usually that's one of the first things to go is your arm strength, and he still can mow guys down. It's just such a great presence defensively and very, very reliable back there. He definitely would get my vote for first ballot. I hope he gets it. If he once he doesn't get the first ballot, he is definitely going to be a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about it. He deserves to be. A yeah, there's very little doubt in my mind that he'll be he'll be in Cooperstown at some point and. Adam Wainwright's kind of a borderline guy there. I think uh, what probably hurt him, he missed the 2011 season, I believe it was. He had to have Tommy John surgery, and that really um, derailed some of his stuff. But he's at 180 wins right now. I mean, it's it's not un- unrealistic. If he pitches one more year, maybe two more years, he gets to 200 wins. That's probably not going to be enough to get him into the Hall of Fame, but he certainly has had a quality career. Um, when he first came up in 2007, with the Cardinals um, they use them primarily in relief in fact if you go back and look on uh, YouTube or any of the other video channels out there he actually was the, the pitcher on the mound 
they got the last out of the, uh, the 2006 World Series against Detroit. He um, he closed that game out, and they they won the World Series that year uh, in 20, uh, 2006 against Detroit. So, um, pitcher, you know, certainly uh, deserves a lot of credit too. He, he's he's certainly been a solid piece for that team. Uh, been fairly healthy his whole career. Got some really good seasons in there. He's been a workhorse and um, really good guy too off the field too. So that's that's another big big part of, uh, of Adam Wainwright. So I'm happy to see both these guys to, to have been teammates as long as they have, to have as much success as they've both had. They've played in three World Series together, won two of them. Um, you know, and St. Louis is a great organization. I mean, it's it's one of the premier organizations in baseball and really in sports for that matter. They're very consistent. St. Louis doesn't change things up. They have a, a, a script they stick to. They're a consistent organization. And you think about it this way. They've only had, since 1994, managers. You have Joe Torre, who was there from 90 to 95. Tony La Russa, who was there from 96 to 2011. Uh, Mike Matheny, who was there from 2012 to 2018. And then now you have, um, uh forget the gentleman's name. He's managing them now. Um but I mean, again, that, that shows consistency in uh, in what they are as an organization and two players who've been a big part of that, and that probably contributed a lot to their success. The fact that they um, happen to play for that team. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, you got to stay consistent in baseball. You're right about that. Well, it's been another great uh, great week for a show here. We're going to have a lot to talk about next week because. We'll be a week into the uh, college football season. Obviously, we have a lot of things to talk about. There's some big matchups going on tomorrow and over this weekend. You've got uh, Alabama versus Miami. You've got uh, Georgia versus Clemson. That, I think, is going to be a uh, knockdown. When you talk about boxing, this is going to be a boxing match between these two teams. Knockdown, drag them out type of matchup. Two really great programs. I think Clemson has the upper hand there just because of their more recent success. Um, you got a more historic matchup going on Sunday night between Florida State and, and uh, Notre Dame. Florida gets kicked off against, I believe they're playing, uh, uh, who is it? They're playing uh, uh, Florida Atlantic uh, tomorrow night. And then you had a couple games last night. You had a scare. If you're an Ohio State fan and you're listening tonight, uh, you probably had your heart in your throat because Minnesota took you guys uh, deep into the third quarter with a lead. And then they kind of fell apart defensively there at the end, but um, always good to see those matchups. And then of course, uh, next weekend is, is the opening kickoff for the NFL. It's also the uh, 20th anniversary of the nine 11 attacks. We're going to talk a little bit about how sports uh, played a big role in uh, the aftermath of nine 11 We'll talk a lot about that next week. I know, Alan, I believe you were still living in New York when that occurred uh, almost 20 years ago now. So next Friday, we're going to dedicate a lot of time to talking about that, also to, um, again, the pennant race in baseball, and we'll preview some of the NFL stuff, make some predictions on what we think will happen, and we'll do our picks again. We're going to definitely um, we're going to do, do picks again like we did last year. Uh, we'll make it fun. We're going to keep a track on, on our picks uh, this year. And it's going to be just a fun year. I think we're really excited about the NFL being back and all the sports news we're going to have to talk about. We have to try to cram that into the, the show here next week, and hopefully we're able to do it. So, 
That's right. You know, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to try to cram them in, and we're going to work hard to give you a great show. You know, we also have some guests, potential guests that we're working on to get on the show later in the week, uh, later in the, the month. So big things coming up on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. Make sure you like in our page and follow us on Facebook as well as iHeartRadio. All right. Well, for uh, for Alan, this is Aaron. We're signing off here tonight. Again, this was the uh, Alan and Aaron Sports Talk podcast for September 3rd. Thank you so much for listening. If you miss any uh, portion of our show, you can hear it again uh, at any point in the future on iHeartRadio. Just simply search for Alan and Aaron. And you can also follow the link on our Facebook page. And if you'd like to leave a comment, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know if we're doing good, bad. If you want to just simply check in to say hello, we'd certainly love to hear from you. So, again, for Alan, this is Aaron signing off. Thank you for listening to the Evan and Aaron Sports Talk Podcast. Subscribe and check out us on your favorite social media platform. Thank you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.